What is up everyone? My name is Sahil and I am a second year UBC Medical School student and in today's video podcast we'll be interviewing my good friend Sharika Devi and talking to her about how in the world is she a lawyer at 21 while also balancing all the other things she's doing and her mindset while getting through that. But first, let's cue the intro. And welcome back. If this is the first video that you're watching of mine, I wanna say a big thank you and welcome to our YouTube community. On this channel, I like to make health and fitness videos, medicine related vlogs, travel vlogs, and other fun videos just like this one. Now, if you haven't already, please do make sure to go subscribe and smash that like button so YouTube knows that you guys enjoy watching these videos. And this video specifically is part of a special series which is my Ask a UBC Med Student video podcast series. So in case you don't already know, this podcast or this video will also be available on Spotify. It's also available on Apple, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else where you guys want to watch or you guys listen to your podcast. So do make sure to check that out. And with that being said, let's get into today's video. So for today's video, I'll be interviewing and chatting with my good friend, Sharika Devi, who is a lawyer only at 21 years old, and she's practicing as well in the States. Now, I've been following Sharika's journey on Instagram and TikTok um, for quite some time now, but haven't actually met with her. So this is gonna be my first time, um, and I can't wait. Let's go do that now. So welcome, Sharika. Thank you so much for being here today. I know you're super, super busy. Um, I won't take up too much of your time, but I am so excited to actually meet you. I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time now, and TikTok for that matter. Um, so yeah, why don't we just get started? Like, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into law school? Like, so it actually all started when I was about 15, 16. Mm-hmm. So uh, the backstory of everything is in Washington State, that's where I grew up, um, we're allowed to do college and high school. Mm-hmm. So I took, I jumped on that as soon as I figured out what it was. You have to take um, an acupacer to determine how intellectual you are to place you in those classes. And if you pass with a certain number, I forgot uh, what the score was, then you have access to all of the college classes. And I took that test, kid you not, four times, four times. My dad paid $200 each time. I was like, I am taking this and I am doing this because I did not like high school at all. I used to, I did get bullied actually. So that kind of influenced mm-hmm. and fueled my urge to just get out of there, but not get out like as a dropout, get out as like be something and get out so people just leave me alone. Right, right, right. And this happened at a really good time. And being an immigrant, you see how the legal system kind of you know, takes advantage of you, especially in America. So that was another thing, a pillar, as you could say, to encourage me to go towards law and health. Mm-hmm. Immigrants like I me, mean, I initially wanted to do immigration law, but then COVID happened and I had to take whatever position I could find. Fair enough. So this test that you're talking about, is that something that you, you can start doing in the States like anywhere? Or is that only offered at, was that only offered in your state? That was offered in, it's only offered in a handful of states at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know. Right, that was about like what five years ago. Okay. Five, six years ago, something like that. Yeah. So I basically graduated high school my sophomore year because I graduated with about thirty-two credits, and you need twenty-two to graduate. So as a Canadian, I have no idea what sophomore and all that stuff. Is. I only know first, second, third year. Oh my gosh, my cousin like, Okay, so freshman year, right? That's like how old are you when you start that? Fifteen? Fourteen? Sure. High school? Um, uh, yeah, I think. 
something like that. You can't drive yet. You can drive. Yeah, you can't drive. I know you graduate eighteen or nineteen. That was something that was like because I was one of the youngest people in my class. Okay. And that was something that the school district was um, using against me. So I don't, so I don't qualify for Running Start. They're like, you won't be able to get yourself to class. And I begged my dad. I was like, Papa, I will be a doctor if you just drop me. Oh God. <laughs> that's what his dream was. He's like, I want you to be a doctor. I was like, you know. And I did. I initially started um, Running Start doing like some of um, like the nursing courses, pre med courses, just to see how I feel about it. <laughs> And let me tell you, I am so proud of you, and I am so impressed by you because that is so hard. That is not for me. It is not. I am not cut out for that. Well, I can say the same about law, law as well, right? Because I have no idea how to do law or any of that stuff. No, but uh, let me tell you, mm-hmm. it's not as it's not it's not as challenging at all compared to like being a doctor. That is just not everybody's cut out to do that. I know all. It's like a thing for Indian, like South Asians, to go into medicine or something like that, or engineering or law. But everybody wants for their kids to be a doctor. Sure. And I was like, yeah. well, my parents were like, you know, that's not for everybody. Like, it takes a special kind of gut to do that. Like, it's not, that's not possible for some I totally get where you're coming from. I know what you mean. Like, there's a different level of, like, uh, precision and you need a little, different level of dedication and attention. But I think the same can be said for any of like, the, the three, engineering, law, or medicine. Like, you, you need a different mindset to be in any of those careers, right? Definitely. But... Being a doctor or like just being a snippet, like not even a percent. I think it was like 0.5% yeah. of what your life is. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, you made the right decision and you're happy with what you're doing, right? So This actually happened on its own, you know? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, should I get a business degree or should I get a law degree? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of lawyers wanted to get um, business degrees, like MBAs and all that stuff. And instead, they decided to get a JD, and it doesn't. It helps you actually in the business field in corporate America, if you're an attorney or you have a JD. You don't even have to be like admitted to the bar, but it gives you a one up on everybody else. So I have a friend actually who graduated from Harvard, and he's in LA. He works for a startup, and he identifies as an entrepreneur. He doesn't like to call himself a lawyer, and I'm like, well, why not? He's like, it's an oversaturated field, which it is. And not a lot of us will tell you that because we like to keep the prestige to ourselves when it's like an MBA. Almost everybody wants it. Okay. It's very, very, you need it, of course. It's very prestigious and reputable on its own, yes. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of us out there. And there's like apps and websites that do majority of the job that we do, such as drafting contracts. It's super easy. If somebody just needs the basics, you go on like, I don't know, um, Law Depot or something, and they have it. That's like the one that I was talking about. So yeah. it's very oversaturated, and that's why basically some of us who do it, we just do it as like an elite business degree. Interesting. I've never heard of that before. Wow. That's the insight. I know a lot of people will tell you. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yes. So do these online resources like are they the same as like um, as like actually talking to a lawyer? I'm sure there must be some differences. I'm not gonna lie. I used it twice um, before I wanted to go to medicine because my dad has like residential real estate, so I used it to draft up with the basic addendum and contracts and stuff. And I found it very resourceful and it was in layman terms. It's easy to understand compared to how us lawyers, like we like to use fancy words sometimes when you don't need to, right? Yeah, yeah. So I found that to be really enlightening. Like I like that. And it was easier for like my parents to understand. They're immigrants, right? They don't really know the English that I do. And mm-hmm. he loved it. He was like, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. And then I was like, interesting. But then when I got into law school, I was like, oh my God, that's like, 
nothing. Like we have to do so much extra stuff. So I feel like sometimes the resources are ideal. However, they don't give you the full insight. Just like when you go to the doctors, right? Like yeah, 100%. each patient there, you don't know the full insight until you actually meet them and diagnose them and stuff. So the same thing with lawyers, like, yeah, they can use those resources. It's helpful, but it's for the long run. Like you need to know what the whole backbone of your company or corporation is, whatever it is that you're looking for to get an, like an, an authoritative answer or something to just be your collateral in case. Yeah, I feel like sometimes the, the resources online, like they're a good starting point for other people, but if you're a lawyer or if you're a doctor for that matter, or any professional, like you're, you're supposed to know the ins and outs, right? So like, I won't lie, sometimes for my classes, sometimes I'll look at like the differential diagnosis online and the information will be there and it'll be pretty good, but it's not exhaustive. Whereas the textbooks, uh, up to date or BMG, like the different websites, they, they have all the information, like how it should be in, in all details too. So. I mean, looking at online resources, you should always be cautious of that, looking at the source you're getting it from and different things like that. But uh, it's an interesting point you brought up. I never knew you could do that for law as well. What kind of law are you practicing now? Well, right now I do corporate. Mm -hmm. So like insurance, I work for a startup insurance company. I do mergers and acquisitions and then contract drafting. I don't, I do arbitration a little bit, but I don't like to litigate. I don't like to go in front of the judge and do all that. Yeah. But for that, we have contract with lawyers who actually, we give them that contract to go out, go to the judge or go to wherever you have to do it, and they do it for you. Interesting. Yes. So I definitely use that route a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so earlier, Shrika, you were talking about how um, you your dad wanted you to become a doctor, right? And then you didn't agree. What was that like, like fighting against that? I mean, you still become a lawyer, which is still a professional, but I mean, for other people who are probably thinking like, hey, my dad was very, nobody in my family is, has a degree or anything. Everybody just got done with high school and they just got a job, which is amazing, hustle at whatever speed you want, right? Mm -hmm. And so for my parents, it was very, very important that we become something professional. You don't have a degree, this, that, the other. If we weren't, it's completely fine with him. Like he is a hard, he's a hard ass. Mm -hmm. Like he's a self-made millionaire, billionaire in Hollywood. And for him, it was very important that we have something that we don't just rely on him and we never were raised like with that privilege that comes with all that money uh -huh. he made us work for everything and i wore my brother's hand-me-downs i was a tomboy for like three years oh, wow. <laughs> and that's why he was like you need to be a doctor i was like why he's like because that's like the general thing right i guess in our society like we that's looked as respected reputable and all that i'm like yeah of course it is definitely for sure and i gave it a try genuinely did dedicate my time and I was like this is I don't find joy in doing this like I do love helping people mm -hmm. but I can't do it in this sense like I also I love arguing I am very persuasive and I love debates I do I really do and then at the time I think it was my second or third quarter at college so the quarter is here or not here but in Washington it works like three months so mm -hmm. you get to take about 15 credits and I took about I think 25 credits just just because i wanted to get done with everything like as soon as possible and you probably aced all these classes too right no no okay um i definitely my gpa was about like a 3.5 to 3.9 i mean that's still not bad it's not a 4.0 there right i was passing my classes and yeah. that's all that matters to me mm -hmm. I was passing my classes, I was able to, because it's really hard. It's very expedited. It's like a whole entire high school year put into three months. Of course, yeah. 
So that kind of, I guess maybe, maybe that kind of intimidated me away from medicine too, but then I never really gave it a second shot to discover if it was for me or not. Yeah. Um, but that all, I guess, scared me away from medicine mm-hmm. and it didn't, my dad didn't like that at all mm-hmm. because I secretly took dual classes because I liked law. So I took like an introductory law class and then I took like the biology classes and stuff. And I just, I wasn't paying attention in my bio classes because I was looking at casework and all that stuff from my law class. And I found myself so passionate about law. And then I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like my dad's gonna be disappointed. Keep in mind at that time, I wasn't as rebellious as I am. Mm-hmm. I got known as the black sheep in the family because I didn't, I don't listen to anybody. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't really care. I mean, I feel like to be successful in anything and to pursue your passions, you kind of need to be like rebellious and, in this to a certain extent, and create your own path. Like I think Arnold has a really great quote about that: uh, "Don't break the law, but break the rules." Right? And we're all surrounded by rules. So. And my dad is an epitome of that. He's very, very. He's very strict. Growing up, mm-hmm. um, he was really strict, and we never went against him. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I stood up for my ground for my career, um, he wasn't happy at all. We spent about a year arguing, not talking properly. Mm-hmm. I was going to an amazing Ivy League school in America. And my dad said no, because he wanted me to go to University of Washington, stay at home mm-hmm. in front of the guys who can control my environment and everything. He's, that's how he is. That's how he thinks he can protect us by controlling the situations that we're in. Right. And it took a lot of guts because I had never left I had never stepped foot outside of Washington without my parents. Mm-hmm. And I decided to, I was like, you know, if I don't do this now, I'm going to end up regretting this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've always been someone to listen to my heart. So I packed up my things. I booked a one-way ticket to England and I literally dipped. That is crazy. <laughs> I can't even imagine. And how old were you? I had just turned 18. I literally had just turned 18. Wow. I, I, knew flaw. I knew enough law to know. I was like, you guys, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Those introductory law classes paid off, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That was like about what, seven, eight classes. Yeah. Wow. But going to a whole different continent at 18. You know, Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum made me fall in love with England, not gonna lie. And when I got there, I was like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> Yeah, I've been to London a couple of times. It's it's raining there. It's like, like Seattle though, so I was completely fine adjusting. Fair enough. I, I feel like the rain there is different. I don't know what it is. It's just more mucky. I mean, it it, is. Vancouver is known for its rain too. But you guys are like my neighbor. We're neighbors. Basically. Yeah, we're like three hours away. <laughs> three, two, yeah. We I was always up in Vancouver, even when I was in school. Like every other weekend, we have so much oh, really? rain. Yeah, I'm more close to my cousins in Canada than I am in Seattle. Oh. <laughs> would make me drive and like, we have to see each other. Fair but it's been enough. about a good year or two since I've seen them, which kind of sucks. So well, next time you're here, we'll do a podcast in person. Oh, yeah. Social distancing, though. <laughs> hopefully, we don't have to do that then. Yeah, hopefully all those court calls are down by then. Yeah. Um, well, wow. How was that experience like being there alone, like in a place where you don't know anyone? I can't imagine that. And then like knowing that you're going against your parents um, I cried the whole entire flight, the whole entire flight, because I was like, I knew my dad, mm-hmm. but I, guess I didn't know my dad, because I thought this is it, I'm disowned, I'm done, and he did disown me actually, um, for a while, 
we were arguing and we were not on talking terms. Um, he financially was not supporting me and I couldn't get a job in England, obviously, um, at the time. And I didn't really know anybody to get a job and anything. So that was a bit tough, but it did, it taught me, you know, like survival mode. Mm-hmm. And that was like, not even in my own backyard, it was a whole other country. Right. But yeah. an asset was English, common language. Mm-hmm. I bet if I was like in Germany or something, I would probably not survive. Yeah, for sure. So that was an asset. Um, I was really quick to make friends, so they did help me out. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was talking to someone, and he was a good support system, um, but he had his own intentions, which I'll probably get into later on. But um, yeah. that all, it taught me that I can survive in any given situation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that about myself, but that kind of shows me that I would also be a great representative too for somebody because I do, I was able to relate to a lot of people coming back to like now and present time, like with clients and stuff because of the hardship that I went through. I know what I say, hardship might not be hardship for other people, but to me, that was my hardship, my personal hardship. And the whole culture of England was definitely different than America or Canada because Canada and America have kind of similar culture. England was a whole other like field. It was just, everybody kind of, doesn't like America <laughs> over there, <laughs> but they want to come to America. Yeah. So I would always get bombarded with questions about like Trump. And I was like, listen, I don't live in his house to tell you what he's doing. <laughs> I, was like, I don't even pay attention to our government like that. Yeah. And I used to, and racism is really, really uh, like, it's still very much alive in, in England, especially towards South Asians, um, which really scared me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the uh, woman in her hijab. She got stabbed right in front of me. She was literally like not less than six feet away from me. And she got stabbed. What? Right in front of you? Right in front of me. And this is a broad dealing? Yeah, on the bus in front of everybody. And somebody was like, oh, another one for the day. I was like, what? What do you mean another one? It was common for people to assault one another because of racism. And I, that was like very, very shocking to me. Coming from America, like very, we're very vocal here about everything. And then to see that and nobody say anything about it, it it wasn't normal, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it did scare me a lot um, because I'm a woman of color, I'm brown and I'm American. In England, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die. I thought for the first full year, I'm not even joking, I was like, I'm gonna die until like I made friends and I'd like kind of grew, you know, a backbone. Yeah. And, but up until then, I, it was just, it was not something I expected at all. It's, it, it's like how people see America, you know, like all butterflies and rainbow and sunshine. And once you come here, you know, you got to work your ass off to be somebody here. No, for sure. Anywhere. Right. So in England, I had this whole entire company, could become thing. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so fun. Everybody's nice. Which everybody is nice. But everybody's also, very distant doesn't like you they're mean i think that's about you can say that statement about anywhere in general though right you definitely can but like, England has changed and then there's like bad areas too yeah i guess maybe it was my bad luck or something but it was very common well, with- actually um i'm actually very passionate about like these whole topics of gender equality uh, inclusivity and diversity and i've done a couple of research projects on these things um specifically for like academia but mm-hmm. 
racism and gender inequality is actually pretty prevalent in uh, European countries, much more than you see here. With that being said, I live in Vancouver and I used to drive out here to like, I live near English Bay right now. Mm-hmm. And I used to drive out here all the time, like every year and no problem at all. But now that I live here, I literally get stared down and I still can't believe it. At first I thought maybe I'm like lifting weights really heavily or maybe I look really good. Maybe that's why they're staring <laughs> at me. But now I realize that most people haven't seen like brown people here. Or yeah. Not in that frequency, I guess. I am just shocked with how many stares I get here. I believe that. I mean, um, I kind of experienced the same thing when I was in New Orleans because not a lot of- uh, I've been there too. Not a lot of Indian people live in New Orleans. I barely saw any. Yeah. And anytime, anywhere I would go, I would get zero down. I was like, I need to get a mace or something. I was like super scared because I was living alone and I was back in America and I was like, oh my gosh. Right. Survival mode. Well, I guess like knowledge is power, right? Like now you know the laws, the rules. If someone says something, you can like file, I don't know, a case or, or something against them, right? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely. You know, you do I don't like I don't like to use it. Like, it doesn't really identify me, my career mm-hmm. and like being a lawyer. I don't really like to just throw it out there and throw it around. Like I do know a few of my, few of my colleagues, they love doing that. Like I made a video. I don't know if you saw how I was in a conversation with one of my colleagues and he's like, Shrika, we have a JD. I was like, uh-huh. He's like, we can like, he's like, I started using doctor with my name. I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? He's like, I love it now when people call me Dr. Daniels. And I was like, doctor. I was so thrown off. I was like, listen, dude. I saw no. it on your TikTok. I remember. I had no idea what a JD was, though. I was like, wait, what does that mean? Like, anyone who. So, oh, did you look it up? Or? No, I, I didn't. I was just scrolling. I was busy with that. JD for like law. Um, once you graduate, you get a JD, depending on whatever route you take. Um, so, I do have a JD. My degree qualifies as a JD. Mm-hmm. So, it's identified as a JD in the States, which I'm thankful for because it's only a bachelor's in the UK, but it also qualifies as a JD. I see. Yeah, so I mean, I could definitely use the doctorate thing, but I don't Mm -hmm. because, again, I don't like to boast about it or have it identify me and be like the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, highlight of my life, even though it's an amazing thing that happened to me, yes. Um, But he, we were talking, he was like, Yeah, I was talking to one of my clients, and I was like, This is Dr. Daniels. It felt good. I was like, What do you mean? Like, if my lawyer said, Hey, this is Dr. Daniels, I would like hang out right there. I'd be like, "What, What did I call? And that got me thinking, I was like, Wow, we. That's what got me thinking. I was like, see, we are oversaturated as attorneys. So we look at ways to make ourselves seem special mm-hmm. and more, you know, more educated or more shiny. So people come to us and I was like, doctor is a title that people love. And they might think, you know, a lot about medical malpractice, which you don't. So don't do that. Right. That's a great point you brought up. Though. Like, there's a lot of people I know who have the title of doctor, even if they're a medical doctor and they decide not to use it. Yeah. And do you think that's something like a more like a way to keep yourself humble? Disassociate yeah. from work, I think. Disassociate from work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, know I, mm-hmm. I do too, actually. I My whole circle has been doctors, honestly. I have dated doctors. All of my close friends are doctors. Right. Um, I don't know why. It just, I have more intellectual conversations with them. And then they also teach me things that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then I also teach them stuff like obviously that you're going to take advantage of a lawyer if they're in your circle, right? Just like I take advantage of all the doctors that I know in case I have a question. And then they're like, 
I'm not allowed to give legal advice, yes, but I'm going to admit, like, yes, I will drop a few hints here and there as to what you should do for, like, in terms of your contract or if you want to extend it or not, if you want to go, you know, just stuff like that. Okay. I have some knowledge to be able to give them some kind of feedback, mm-hmm. legally, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot of them are like, yeah, we don't use the doctor. And I'm like, why not? At first, I was really, you know, like in the clouds and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to use ESQ, Esquire, which is like another name for us, everywhere, everywhere. I'm just probably use it. And one of my friends, he's about like 40 something. He's a neurosurgeon. And he was like, why would you do that? I was like, why not? He was like, when you're at work, you have all that stress, all that pressure. When you're outside of work, don't you want to disassociate yourself? I'm like, well, doesn't that already happen when you leave? I'm like, no, because your title sticks with you. It becomes you, then you become your brand. You become all of that and then you can't you won't be able to have a private life and i was like huh that makes sense because with him you can't tell he's a doctor outside of work really mm-hmm. at all because nobody knows him as that right nobody calls him dr bakta like people just call him arvind and i'm like huh yeah why because that's why like there's a lot of people who do like to be doctor 24 7 on call all the time even though you don't need to be and i respect that and he's just like that too like if he sees an accident or something he will go up he will help out anything of course but he's like unless i don't have to be i'm not gonna be because i'm also a separate person right and i was like wow like that never hit me until like he sat me down and explained that to me right like yeah i'm not gonna associate myself with my work completely because i am a different person like at work i'm very professional and i am a bit on guard and a bit of a hard ass because i am young in my field and people like to think they can step all over me and you know it's like bossing you around i'm like no we're equals here so you need to accept that so I, I'm a whole different persona there. And then outside of work, I'm Trika, like I'm bubbly. I'm not at work. They can't even say my name. So they call me Miss Debbie, right? right. Not even probably, it's Miss Debbie, but they call me Miss Debbie. I just right? gotta bring that up. Do you like whitewash your name for everyone? Do. That's actually how that doctor title, that had that, uh, that doctor conversation came up because my friend was like, your name, it's so black. I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's Sharika. I'm like, well, you're saying it like that. It's Shrika. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how we say it. And he was like, oh. And then he was like, maybe you should like get a nickname. I was like, what? He's like, what about Shrey or Rika? I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. That's not like totally being delusional. Yeah. Wow. I feel like for myself, like I, I'm guilty of it too sometimes. My name is Sahil. But when someone asks me, sometimes I'll say Sahil just because I want to make it easier for the other person. And like, I think even I've done that for my YouTube videos too, because now it's just a part of me. So I always just start saying, hey, I'm Sahil. But I forget to say, it. and then I have to think about it, think about it, and remind myself that no, actually, my name is Sahil. It is, and you know what? Um, I need before I have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, hey, my name is like Shri or something, because a lot of people just wrote it down like that. Yeah. But, and I thought my name is pretty easy to pronounce. It's literally exactly the way it's written. Exactly. <laughs> it's pretty simple. But it is. But people find Debbie much easier. But then again, they're not even pronouncing it properly. Yeah. Debbie. So I had to sit down at work one day and I was like, it's baby, which means goddess, which means put respect, but. <laughs> That's <laughs> a beautiful what? last name. Baby literally means goddess. It, yeah. You know what my full name is actually? Shrika, the K-A was added for like numerical purposes. And my grandma did this. My full, my actual name is Shri Lakshmi Devi. <laughs> Lakshmi, oh my God. Dude, you are gonna make money. <laughs> that, and you know, my family's so religious to the point that they actually believe that, like my dad, he definitely gets my input on everything. And I think they manifest it. I don't think that 
or maybe I am, I don't know. But I believe in manifestation, like the law of attraction and all of that. Yeah, so I feel too. like my father gives me that power by believing that whatever I touch or do or assist him with is gonna excel. It does, yes. Um, but I'm like, that's because we put in the hard work. Yeah. And that's how you manifest, the, you know, the positivity, the prosperity. But I feel like, you know, you have to believe in it for it to be real. And I'm like, Baba, you definitely believe that I am luxury for it to be real. Otherwise, no. There's so many people with the same name as me. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I feel like manifestation is a, a real thing. Like, I know science doesn't prove it yet. But, I mean, if the greats, like Oprah Winfrey talks about it, has implemented it, Steve Harvey, uh, Tony yeah. Robbins. Sorry, who was that? Abraham X, have you heard about? Yeah. Uh, I yes? I don't think so. I'll make sure to look into him. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like there must be something out there. You know what I mean? Like there's so much being said about manifestation for it to be a hoax. It's real. I mean, I was talking to an influencer friend of mine. He's a doctor as well. Um, I don't have his permission to drop his info, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to be yeah. a little But we were having this conversation over lunch and he was like, you know, some people are so ignorant. I was like, why? He was like, because you're sitting here, you're an intellectual person, you have a whole degree and stuff, and I'm sitting here, and I like to think of intellectual. I was like, okay. I was like, you're a doctor, of course, you're intellectual. And he was like, we're all made of stardust, right? When there's full moon, it controls the waves and everything, and our body is made up of water, majoritively. So for you to sit there and be ignorant and not think that the stars, the frequency, manifestation, like if it's not real, but you do admit that you're made of stardust and that everything else kind of controls your environment and your mood. That's like, that's just a high level of ignorance right there. And I was right. like, gosh, I never knew that people were so into this and actually believed it to this kind of extent right. because it's, it's kind of looked at unorthodox to talk about it. Like people such as us or anyone in general, nobody likes to talk about it. They think you're a hippie or something. If yeah. you talk about stuff. And I was like, well, I'm from Seattle. We're all hippies. So I have no problem talking about it yeah and i broadcast it so much because it makes more sense to me than being religious for sure and i it took my parents a while to come to terms with the fact that i am more spiritual than i am religious of course now growing up a hindu and a sikh both of it i respect it definitely and i do still follow it mm -hmm. but i resonate more with your vibes are what bring everything in your life you know yeah, you have to I agree. You have to listen to those binaural beats. You have to put those positive affirmations in your life. You have to think positive to attract positivity. And then you lose all the negative vibes, which definitely took away a lot of people from my life. And I'm thankful because I never realized how negative they were. They were like energy vampires. They just steal everything and just all that light and positivity. And then you're just stuck there in a mutt, like all depressed, mm -hmm. even though you're not. It's just people stealing your energy right. and negative. And I was like, wow. Like there's just moments in my life that have like made me sit down and be like, oh my God, the universe is real. The law of attraction is real. This is real. This is crazy. Yeah, exactly. I think regardless of whatever people call it, whether they call it religion, uh, energy, vibes, street knowledge or whatever, th there is, there's something in the world, right? And I feel like the moment for me where I really started believing that is like when I got in, when I was trying to get into medical school, actually, like mm -hmm. that whole year during my gap year, I was just um manifesting things like starting this youtube channel started it then and then i had this vision to start a company like fitness for you fitness oh. for you i was like hey i need to start something to help more people and then slowly implement you work towards it and it happens and it becomes a reality and so many people benefit from it now 
Um, so small things like this, and then getting into medical school, I think was the ultimate for me. Like okay. if I could get, if I could see it at one point, I believed it and I could speak it and actually happened. Yes. I mean, the the sky is the limit, or the moon is the limit. Moon is the limit. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday, right? Or I was like, Sadhu, no, don't just limit us to the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's footprints on the moon. Why can't we get there? <laughs> through TikTok and then I've made amazing friends like the TikTok he's super super nice in person he's literally exactly how he seems on social media and I was like oh my gosh like you're probably the first person I've met that matches exactly what you show and that's why people love him so much agree compared to other people yes they are what they show but they're very different in person than what mm-hmm. they are and he's so genuine and I was like and he inspires me to be that too Oh, he inspires me as well. I think when I first started TikTok, I was so nervous about making like TikToks in general because I was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm a med student. Should I even be doing stuff like this as a professional?" And then I would see this guy doing such cool things, making videos not even about medicine, just like dancing, having a good time, playing basketball. And I was like, "Hey, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it." And then I even messaged him uh, saying, "Like, hey, you really inspired me when I had like my first video. I think went viral, but it wasn't." viral compared to yours like it was a million but it was in the hundred case so i was pretty excited about that <laughs> uh, but yeah jay was super nice i remember messaging him on instagram um yeah i think people like that who are just so real it, it shows like on your vid- in, in videos on social media and it, it goes a long way he is someone who really inspires me to stay true to myself mm-hmm. yes but then i also want to disassociate myself from work because that doesn't it's not my life and he was like yeah you should definitely do that like it's not for everyone to be associated to work all the time for doctors of course you guys and like yeah for me like if i see something i will say something right in public and if i have to go all lawyer mode of course i will but that doesn't like i don't carry myself as that all the time i feel like people who do that have a certain busted ego mm-hmm. that you don't really need to have We're all here doing our own thing on a separate journey at a separate you know speed yeah so we don't need to compete or anything <clears throat> and i feel like people forget that like when i go yeah. to the gym mm-hmm. for example like i look fit i'm not fit like it's just for show it's just to feel nice about myself and i look at somebody else who is not the same as me right mm-hmm. they're probably smaller than me and they lift so much i'm like oh my gosh she's amazing and then there's somebody else over there like judging her like oh my god there's like she has no weight like there's no meat to her mm-hmm. and i was like you know that's something that the gym scares you because of that like every person judges you the second you walk in and they're always staring at you and it just makes me super super uncomfortable that's I'm like we're all here with a different body. we're all here doing something different at a different speed at different you know level we shouldn't judge we should probably encourage like if you see somebody's form off go help them if you see somebody struggling with weights go help them if you see somebody who doesn't have a water bottle and you have an extra one go give it to them exactly kindness is literally the key yes. to a good life and i was just talking about this on my instagram yesterday so it's so interesting you brought it up but um the example i always give for people even to my clients when they ask about hey like i feel intimidated going to the gym is you wouldn't go to a hospital and start laughing at the patients right you wouldn't look at them and be like hey you're in the hospital and I'm not and compare yourself like you support them because you know that they're in the hospital to better themselves they're there to receive treatment so that they can get out and be a functioning member so similarly like when you go to um the gym and someone's judging someone for lifting not heavy weights or being skinny like i feel like that's so un- uncalled for because you're there there's someone is there to better themselves they want to get better they want to feel a uh, uh, better gain weight lose weight whatever that might be um so i find that so funny how that happens 
uh, and, and it shouldn't be happening. Excuse me. Of course not. It shouldn't. And I realized I was like, wow, I feel confident. And then the second I walk in the gym, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh god. I think yeah. I think it definitely requires a mindset shift. Um, it is. It definitely is. But I've seen it happen way too much that it just kind of turns me away from the gym. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that it pushes me more into nature. Like I go on walks over here. I go on jogs and stuff. I work out at home, which also does not give me the excuse like. Okay, if I'm working from home, when I get the job done, and I'm working out at home, I should be able to put in the workout every day, right? Like you have no excuse to do it, and that it has helped me, yes, because then I'm like, okay, I can work out with my own body weight, I can do this at the other. Now, I'm not as muscular as you, or anywhere near as intellectual when it comes to exercising as you are. I just I follow Blogilates. Oh my gosh, dude! I got downloaded her app and I did like a 15 minute ab workout. My abs were sore for three days straight, and that never happened. And there was no weight, nothing. Who who is this? Logilates. Oh, I have no idea. Oh my god, she I forgot her name, but she's like she's amazing and her workouts are killer. I do like the 15-minute ones every day. Okay. I'm sore every single day. Like I did my arm workouts. I was complaining the whole day. This is still sore. Like I'm complaining right now. Yeah. <laughs> that was like three days ago. And yeah, that's a good pain though, really. You're proud of it. Like in the moment you might be like, hey man, why am I doing this? Like I don't want to be working out, but then the feeling you get the next day makes up for it. Yes, and you do feel so much more energized and like, oh my gosh, like I do like it a lot. Yes, but I will always always complain because yes, that's something I do. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I totally agree that you feel more energized after because um, that's something that I'm still trying to implement into my schedule because uh, we have like these things called CBLs in the morning, which is basically like from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, on Wednesday and Fridays. Before it was Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, uh, we look at cases. And usually when I would go in person and I didn't go to the gym before, I would just sit there quietly because I didn't want to say something wrong. And I, I wouldn't really contribute as much as I could have. I did all my work. I had all my notes, uh, but I, I wouldn't say anything because I was so scared uh, of saying something wrong. But then I changed it up. My CBL instructor talked to me. He's like, hey, you really need to start speaking up and like talking more. And I was like, okay, what can I do? So I started going to the gym uh, an hour before CBL and I would feel uh, and then I would finish my workout I would do the cardio get the endorphins going do some abs uh, and then make it a CBL on time and by the end of it I felt like I was another animal like I had the energy I felt like hey I didn't want to do the cardio because I hate cardio I hate running on the treadmill but that's something I forced myself to do it's I do jump ropes boring about it yeah and that's amazing like a 12 year old or something i don't know i can run yes i just don't like to be sweating all over everything mm. you should see me at the gym i'm literally <laughs> dripping and my new gym doesn't even have paper towels so it's quite the scene <laughs> but um yeah so i started doing that and i love talking now in the morning because I, fe- I feel like i'm in a different mindset i feel like if i've been able to do this task of running on a treadmill waking up early drinking my protein shake right after and things that I didn't want to do, then I can definitely go and uh, overcome any of these obstacles, um, which are literally just in my mind. It's not like anyone in the class is going to be judging me. Well, yeah, they're not going to be judging me. They're all there for the same purpose to learn, right? So, But I do agree with that so much. And COVID, uh, quarantining, when I was, I quarantined in Seattle for like four months. That was the longest time I spent it with my parents ever since I left, like four years ago three, four years ago, yeah. That was the longest time I ever spent four months at home. 
with it. What? Wow. It was crazy. It's like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm ready to dip. You guys are, I love you, but like, I can't do that. <laughs> but I was there and I realized that the days I would wake up like about seven, eight o'clock and I would immediately go on a runner and jog with my brother. He's so into fitness and everything. Mm-hmm. And he would like get my ass out of bed. He's like, no, come on, we have to go. So like we would go run around the neighborhood and everything. And like his old high school was there. It was an old junior high, sorry. And they have like a whole track and field thing. So we would run and like do everything and be home like around 10, 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I would feel like, oh my gosh, I have to this, 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 that, everything to do. And like, I would just like boom, 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 done. And the day that I would not go jogging or don't do anything physical, I would rumble out of bed around 10, 11 and just be a couch potato all day and be like, oh, I'll delegate this to like somebody else or I'll do it later. Like my dad runs a real estate business Mm -hmm. in Seattle, right? So I'm his right hand guy. I will be there doing everything. So the days that I wouldn't feel like I want to do anything, I would just like tell somebody else to do it. And then I was like, the days I felt like that were the days that I didn't work out or didn't do anything physical. Right. And I, was, I think that's like a mindset thing because if I do something physical, that's like me kind of like subconsciously telling my mind myself that, hey, if I can do this, everything else is a piece of cake. Right. You know, like when running or when you're swimming and you come out of the water and you're walking, it's like, oh my God, walking, this is so easy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's like that you kind of subconsciously do and you don't have to see it, but then that's like what helps you get everything done. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but I think I'm very like psychoanalytical like that. So I do. Like be, I'm very aware of things like that. Just so like I'm able to identify in other people, so I'm very observant, very very, very observant. That's good. Which is a good trait to have, though. Being a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for being a lawyer as well. But I think in general, for anyone, just being a very observant person, it's good. I mean, yeah, you pick up on small things that like most people generally wouldn't. And I feel like it helps you when you interact with other people too. Like I'm, I'm very much an extrovert. Um, I used to be an introvert and then I had to change that. I was like, no, if you want to get somewhere, you have to talk to people and you have to wow people and you're very persuasive, use that. And sometimes I'm good to look at, sometimes I'm not, like right now. So the days oh, I am- come on, you have I the energy look. yourself, it was beautiful. <laughs> you're too sweet. Thank you so much for taking time out to be on the podcast and uh, for the video. Before you leave though, Sharika, for our viewers and our listeners, is there any one piece of advice that you want to give? I don't know how to like make this seem nice and sweet, so I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it mm-hmm. and just be like, you know, there's days where you don't want to do anything, but if you don't do it, then nobody else will. Mm-hmm. So you have to wake up at five o'clock or you have to go to bed at five o'clock, but you have to make sure the 24 hours that you're given, you do something with it and don't just waste it. Yeah. Because even if it's five minutes of progress, that's still progress. Mm-hmm. And there's moments where we don't want to get up and we have to because nobody else wants our dream more than we do that's true right that's so huge what you just said there and so many good points like we're all gary v says this we're all going to die at one point or another and i feel like death is the motivating factor like knowing that our time here isn't limitless right like it is limited so you want to make the most of it and um whatever that goal is that you're working towards every step towards it is progress the way i think about it is that if you're not constantly growing you're losing like there's there's no in between it's like if you're losing you're losing if you're staying neutral you're still losing because the world is progressing you can't stay you can't afford to stay uh the same you have to be growing the world changes around you just because you're in one spot like by the time you become out it's like everything around you so i might need to change the people follow than having to follow the change that's happening 
Exactly. That's a, that's a great thought. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sharika. And thank you guys for watching this video. Uh, if you do like it, please don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. And Sharika, are you going to join me for the closing? Yes. All right. Tons of peace, love, and gains for you. Like a vision board, I see with clarity. I hustle like my name is Gary V. For more than the wealth of prosperity. Accountants was talking about equity. I'm Triple H giving the pedigree. The mean and I'm special, my specialty. I'm putting the work till I'm dirt in the earth. I'm moving furniture to Beverly.